listening to The Future of Work by Singapore Institute of Management. I'm Graham Brown, your host, and in this show, we feature the leaders from across the region to discuss the forces, opportunities, and challenges that are shaping the future of work. This episode is part of the Dash Plus series that examines the four critical influences of Dash Plus framework, design thinking, agile and transformational thinking, systems thinking, and hyper-performance strategies, all to help you and your organization emerge stronger. Everybody, welcome. Thanks for joining us. This is part six of the Dash Plus series. Thanks for joining us. I know you're all busy people, and you've got a lot of places you could be on a Wednesday afternoon, but you've chosen to be with us for the next 45 minutes. So we really appreciate you've invested your time and attention with us. So we're going to make it worthwhile for you. And we're going to walk you through probably one of the most important skills that you need today in this very changeable time, leadership. Today is all about leadership. I've gathered a panel of expert leaders from their different backgrounds and disciplines. So they'll be chiming in on their thoughts about leadership and challenging as well our understanding of leadership and what that is all about. So welcome. Thanks for joining us today. We're going to have a fun time and education as well. You're going to learn a few things about leadership, take away some insights and stories about what leadership is all about. My name's Graham Brown. If you've seen me here before, and Dr. Kevin, who is a familiar face and voice, then thank you for coming back. I really appreciate that. You know the drill. You know how this works. There is a chat button down there at the bottom of the screen. This is what we want you to do. We want you to say hello, because we can't physically see you right now. So we would love to hear who you are and where you're joining us from. You know what? This is number six in the series, and we've had a lot of fun. We've had a lot of people, I'm surprised, from all over the world join us on these webinars, every single time zone. So I'd love to see who we have today. Okay, the chat messages are coming in thick and fast to all the panelists. We are reading them now. Hello from Singapore. Fantastic. Thanks for joining us, folks. Brunei. Have we had anybody from Brunei yet? Or Brunei, apologies for the pronunciation. Hello from Singapore again. From Cambodia. Welcome back, Cambodia. They're all coming in now, and a lot of local Singaporeans support, but a lot of voices from all over the world. That is the reach, and that is the power of a webinar, so I really appreciate, uh, appreciate you joining us. There's another one from Brunei, Brunei. Somebody have to school me on the pronunciation of that one. Bangladesh as well. Welcome to from Bangladesh. Thanks for joining us, folks. Great to have you here as you settle in to the webinar. Two more from Bangladesh. All right, we've got a good turnout from Bangladesh today. Interesting to see what's going on over there. Thank you for joining us. We have a lot of people, nearly 200 people in the house today. So it's going to be fun. Um, Listen, some of you have joined us for six, would you believe, six of these shows in the Dash Plus series. So we really appreciate your support. So as a result of the support, this is what's going to happen. On the next slide, Got some great news for you, folks. A surprise gift from SIM. I can't put a monetary value on it, 
It's just bragging rights. I don't know what the gift is. It's such a surprise. I don't know what it is myself. I'm excited. So what's going to happen is stick around to the end. If you've joined us for six, what I wanted you to do is just say six in the chat box so we know who you are. SIM will reach out to you. They'll be able to check. You can't fake this. They can check all the attendance records to see if you really did come for six. But if you did come for six, they're going to give you a surprise gift. There you go. The first one in. George Tia, Samantha Tan. She said she missed some. Oh, that's somebody else. Sorry, six, one. Whoever it's your first, then welcome. Thanks for joining us. So today is all about leadership. Keep the sixes coming in, folks. We love to see it. Great support. You guys are loyal. You guys are dedicated. Um, you've joined us on this journey, this Dash Plus journey. So as the chat comments are coming in, let's talk about leadership, folks. This is what it's all about today. I want to start with a small story, and I'm going to hand over to the expert in these matters, Dr. Kevin, who's going to help us understand what leadership and importantly, what sustainable leadership is about. I have here in my hands a piece of history. This is a phone. Obviously, you know this is an iPhone. But interestingly, there is 200,000 times more computational power in this little device here than there was in the entire Apollo program that put mankind on the moon in 1969. Think about that. It was a world of black and white TV. It was a world before the internet, a world before blockchain, 4G, all of that. But somehow, Mankind got to the moon in 1969, and it took John F. Kennedy to stand before Congress in 1961 and say that we are going to put mankind on the moon and bring him home safely again by the end of the decade. And they achieved that in a world of black and white TV. Now, I'll put it to you with very little technology. That is the power of leadership. So leadership is possibly one of the most important skills today in business. It can transform. Interestingly, the anecdotal story from John F. Kennedy was he was walking around NASA command and they were just talking to all the staff around there. So he's walking around the back room and he bumps into a janitor. And bear in mind, there are 200,000 people working on this Apollo program. He bumps into a janitor who's mopping the floor. And he says to you, the janitor. What are you doing here? And the janitor said to him, sir, I'm helping put mankind on the moon. And that's the power of leadership to create a story that engages people and focus on the mission. And if you enjoyed that story, I'll show you where you can get more of those stories. That's a story from the Future of Work podcast coming up on the next screen. You can see how you can get access to the Future of Work podcast, which is all about it's the SIM's podcast here. You take one of these, and I knew you've done this so many times now. You've checked in all over the place in Singapore, around the world. Take your phone, scan that QR code, and that will take you to Spotify, where you can subscribe to the Future of Work podcast, where you can get all of these episodes that you may have missed, or you can go back and review them. And that QR code is going to pop down to the bottom of the screen, so you can track and follow throughout the webinar. So coming up, we have a panel of experts on sustainable leadership. And let's do a, a quick heads up on who our panelists are, and we're going to get them to introduce themselves very shortly. Dr. Kevin Young, obviously a familiar face and voice in the world of Dash Plus and the SIM webinars. You've joined us for all of us, and you've led us very gracefully through challenge, adversity, 
And well, the new normal, which has been mentioned an unprecedented amount of times in these webinars. Why are we talking about sustainable leadership today, Kevin? Hi, Graham. Okay, let's. It all begins with the uh, the Dash Plus framework that we put together recently, and the way we're thinking about it. Uh, let me reiterate, and, and I'll, I'll, it'll be a nice lead up to why sustainable leadership. Now, first of all, D stands for design thinking to deliver innovation. It focuses on the, in, the individual user, the customer that we're creating value for. A is agile thinking. And the idea here is to bring transformation to an organization that's delivering value to the individual. S is systems thinking, because no organization exists in a vacuum. It's part of an ecosystem, uh, vendors, partners, competition, whatnot. And last but not least, there's human capital for hypergrowth or high performance, right? And that's the outcomes that we're interested in. And leadership, that's what plus is. Leadership is about cutting across this entire thing, DASH. And why sustainable leadership? Because it's about change, it's about growth. When we talk about high performance, we're talking about hyper growth. Uh, we're talking about transformation, innovation. It's about bringing something new. It's about bringing change. It's about being growth. But the important thing here about change and growth is sustaining it, the ability to sustain it, right? And keep it going, and, right? And that's what we mean by sustainable leadership. And uh, just one last point that I like to make. When we think about sustainable leadership, I really want our audience here to think about three three dimensions. First thing, authenticity, right? Responsibility and systems thinking. Now, why why that? First and foremost, the easy one, responsibility. A true leader is responsible, not only for yourself, but for everybody. And, and that's the important point. You're responsible for teams, your organization, the society, the ecosystem you're in, as well as your customers. But to achieve that, you have to be authentic. You have to think about who you really are, what your values are. And because as a leader, you're going to have wear many hats, you're going to have many dimensions, you have your personal life, you have your, you have your professional life. Let me share a very quick uh, story. Uh, one of my favorite stories about the leadership, Indra uh, Nui, who's the former president and CEO of, of PepsiCo. And when the day that she was announced and became the president of PepsiCo, she went home and she was so excited about telling her mom. And she said, mom, I have something to tell you. The mom says, no, no, hold on. You go, you get out of the door and go buy some milk first. And she's like, what? Like, go get some milk. So a very obedient daughter, when to get a milk, came back. She was really fuming mad. She's like, mom, I had the biggest news to tell you. And you still made me go buy milk. She said, mom says, yes, it doesn't matter that you're going to become the, uh, the president CEO. Just remember, you're still a mother, right? And that's your responsibility. So you must always remember your responsibilities, whether it's professional or personal. you got to keep it together. Last but not least, to pull this whole thing together, you're really part of a bigger system. Right to, to be able to sustain this, to lead others, it's about understanding that system. It's, so I can't emphasize this a lot more. And, uh, and my guests here will, will talk a lot about that. They're, they're real experts at these things. Excellent. Kevin, great introduction. Love the story as well. I mean, it's very authentic as well. I think there's something that's going to come across today about authenticity. I want to ask you, just before we hand over to the panelists, like another question, if we flash up the next few slides and really put this into context of today, why leadership today? McKinsey published uh, an article recently about the new normal, the next normal, as they call it. You know, what leaders need to be thinking about. The future is not what it used to be. Nice wordplay there. A study here from Deloitte coming up on the next slide as well. When asked, what do you believe are the unique requirements for 21st century leaders? 96% of people responded, the ability to lead through more complexity and ambiguity. And I was set the challenge. I was thinking about, okay, I'm going to have to come up with a visual here for you, Kevin. And I was thinking about it this morning. And I came up with this. So you can give me marks out of 10 later. 
But like, why leadership now? It's almost like a lot of business was built in peacetime. And now we've gone through this very strange time, the last three months, where all the rules have changed and disruption and unprecedented and the new normal, the next normal. Why leadership now? Why is leadership relevant here right now more than ever? Uncertainty. Uncertainty. I mean, there's an immense amount of uncertainty. People feel a, a lack of control. They lose control. And when you face that kind of uncertainty or that lack of control, you always turn to somebody that you hope that can show you the way. And the beautiful thing about leaders, uh, and, and we had this conversation at Walmart, right? Uh, as Chin Chong mentioned, always mentions to me, we have this view that we expect leaders to have all the answers. And that, that's too much to ask of a, of a leader, especially in uncertain times. Look, it's unprecedented. There's such a thing as unprecedented. Unprecedented means it's never happened before. So no matter how smart, no matter how much experience you have, this has never happened before. No one has experienced. But that's the beautiful thing about leaders, the, the ability to navigate that uncertainty, the ability to, to communicate control or comfort or safety, the, the, the notion of responsibility to the rest of the team and people that they take care of. And, and there's a certain authenticity here, authenticity here, because the leader is as human, it's uncertain, you don't have all the answers, but you, are, you have a certain sense of quiet confidence or sense of responsibility that you can get everybody through this one way or other. So I'm going to ask the panel very shortly, our leaders in the house, about those qualities. How do we support them? How do we train? How do we support the leaders internally at all levels of the organization? We're going to talk about diversity, skills, structures. That's all coming up in a minute. First, the poll. Let's ask the audience, what are the challenges that our leaders here today in the house have? We'd like to hear from you. What are the challenges that leaders have? Here comes the poll, folks. And the panel can't actually see this, I believe, as the voting comes in. I'll read it out. What challenges has the remote workforce created for leadership today? That scene setter from Dr. Kevin. So the choices are virtual meetings, communicating with clients, employee engagement, work-life balance, and culture. Here come the votes. So people are voting now. There's a clear winner so far already. There's a very strong bias towards employee engagement here, interestingly. People are saying that's one of the biggest challenges that they're facing. That's going to be interesting because we're going to unpack that and find out how you can deal with that as leaders. And Chin Xiong and Tian Chong are going to tell us about their thoughts and insights on how we actually do that in a minute. Interestingly, the least challenging challenge was virtual meetings. 2% of people said that that was a challenge. So here come the votes. The votes are still coming in. Um, as the votes still come in, I'm going to ask about a slightly controversial subject. We're walking into the lion's den here slightly. So let's get it out. Let's bring it out at the top. Um, here come the votes. And just let's get a few more of these votes in at the moment. And if you're still voting, hit your choice here for what challenges has remote workforce created for leadership. We're going to flash the poll up in a minute. And as those votes are still coming in, there's an interesting article, which I had to throw to the panel. And I wanted their thoughts on this. Let's bring it up, folks, because we live in times of uncertainty, as Dr. Kevin said. Explain why, sorry, what countries or what do countries with the best coronavirus responses have in common? Women leaders. What does that mean, folks? There's a poll that comes following this, which I want to just preface this. 
your answers about. There was a survey conducted in the US about this, which said, if we can bring up the next set of data here, it says here, this was a US survey, so obviously take it or leave it for that basis. Uh, US adults say leadership is not a question of gender. Now, when surveyed, 60% men and women agreed that men and women are equally good leaders. However, when individually asked, women said women were better leaders than men, and men said that men were better leaders than women. So take your pick. Uh, Shall I hand this over to the panel? Is it too, a hot, too much of a hot topic to hand over to the panel at this stage? Do you want to wade in? I'd be interested to know who you think makes the better leaders, or is it more of a deeper subject about the personalities that they bring to the table? Kevin, you first, and then I'll hand it over to the panel. I'll give them time to think of their responses. Be interested to hear, as you're actually giving your response about male and female leadership, is it different? Is it a different approach? What the audience think as well. In the chat box, if you think men are better women, uh, better leaders put men and if you think women are better leaders put women just to see those chat responses flash up now kevin what are we talking about here why is it that women have seem to have done a better job at managing the coronavirus situation or is that media bias well it's not media bias there's some science behind it I could be cheeky and say, well, that's because women like vision and, uh, and are, great, uh, are good negotiators. Let me explain that cheeky statement. Whenever I'm, uh, I have to face this question, first of all, I mean, let me be very clear. I don't think there's any inherent genetic or difference between men and women in terms of leadership. I think, I think we're, we're a product of our culture and bringing uh, society and, and we develop certain skills and that's what happens. But, but what I do want to share is that there's the two studies that are, two big studies on, on the difference between men and women. Uh, leadership that I've always drawn, and I think it makes a lot of sense. One, uh, it pains me to say that one of them comes from INSEAD, a long-time rivals of mine, but never mind. But it's a great, great study they did. They, they, they spent many years collecting data from all the executives that went to INSEAD, and, and they found something really interesting. When you rate a man, uh, male or female leader, uh, it turns out that the women leaders are better, rated better than men leaders on almost every single dimension except for one, uh, vision. Mm. It's really big gen. So women leaders, uh, that's the only one dimension that they're not as strong, but all the other dimensions, collaboration, leading teams, being conscientious, uh, planning, everything, right? So, so that's one. And hold that, that thought for a moment. Second one, uh, that's really, really interesting when it comes to negotiating your salary. Men are really, really good at negotiating our own salaries, but we're terrible at negotiating for others. Uh, women are really, really good at negotiating salary bumps for, for everybody that works for them or else, but not for themselves. No, so so how, how do I put these two together and explain COVID? Very simple. It's about thinking about others. It's about thinking about the systems. About it's, a, it's not about having a vision. It's about collaboration. It's about all these factors. And if these two studies are anything to go by, this is exactly what's happened. It, this, this setup was designed. It, you must have all these skills, being able to negotiate for others, collaboration, good planning, uh, conscientious. I mean, just think about it. To beat COVID a match, it's all about planning. It has to be meticulous. And you're, you're, you're organizing a phenomenal uh, dynamic here in terms of collaboration. So that's how I would... Uh, great response. Some great data points there, Kevin. I'm just noticing some of the chat remarks as well as that was coming up. Somebody remarked, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Well said. That was actually a gentleman who said that. So there you go. Some insight. Uh, Chin Xiong. CEO of SIM. Welcome, Chin Xiong Xie. Thank you very much for coming. Hi, Graham. Thank you for having me here. Yeah, it's great to have you here. A leader in your own right. How do you feel about that, women? 
I, I'm oh, going to put myself out, out on a limb. Well, maybe not. <laughs> this is usually a, a hazardous question to, to answer. I'm pulling you out onto the soil. But the uh, soil, I'm, so. I'm going to just uh, look at what the behaviors they exhibited. Those three uh, women leaders. I think if you look, observe them, they have the ability to bring people together. That in spite of uncertainty, in spite of the crisis that they face, and they do it in an empathetic manner, empathic manner, the ability to bring together consensus and people follow that because in the midst of that crisis, that uncertainty, I think those three women leaders, they do very well. And there's no surprise, right? Uh, when you then put extrapolate out to you know, other leaders under those circumstances, they tend to shine. Now, I also am not sure I entirely go with uh, the study that was conducted about women having no vision. I think the fact is that these three women exhibited that. The ability to say, this is what we're going to do, we're going to end up there, and the ability to galvanize the nation behind them and, and follow them. So that's what I think they, they stood out. And in this, this particular crisis, the, the innate, I suppose, uh, empathic nature of women because of, of perhaps the gender uh, does play, play a role, especially in times of uncertainty. Uh, when uncertainty starts, fear begins. At a gut level, people will react. People will take fight or flight. But it takes that empathy to calm things down. And if you watch uh, Angela Merkel, her speech to the German nation, the Germans on TV, it was calm, it was collected, it was empathic. That's my take on it. It's a great take. You mentioned word empathy four, five times, quite deliberately yes. as well. That, that's kind of a new development, isn't it, in business and society as well? People talking about empathy as a leadership quality. Where so, did that come from? So if you, if you look in peacetime, uh, we, we tend to go by the head. Men are naturally go by the head. The heart is where you engage uh, people to get them excited about where you want to go. But below the heart is the gut. That primal instinct, right? That in a situation right now get, gets activated. And you need to feel with that person. The empathy kicks in. But in a peacetime, that gut instinct gets suppressed. And people then, you know, as most leaders would do, I'll engage with you intellectually, you know, understand the economics. We have to have so many things and do this and do that. We must do it. That's all intellectual, the head. Other good leaders engage the heart. Why is this meaningful? Why is this exciting? Why is this so worth it all to do it? But at the gut level, I'm nervous. I'm scared. But you know, it's so exciting at a heart level. And, and I think some leaders are very good at it. I think that the three women leaders are good at it. They know where to engage at which level and which gears to bring the people. This is a very interesting conversation. I want to come back later on in this conversation with you to talk about, is that something we can train? Because you talk about emotion and empathy. Some people may argue that you're born with it. 
and now we're in the business of building learning organizations. What can we do for that? I'm going to turn this over to Tian Chong Ng, who, welcome to the show, by the way, TC. Hi, Great having you here. Yes, thank now, you. You're a leader of many people in Asia for your company, so HP. Tell us a little bit about the, the size of the, the organizations and the teams that we're dealing with here. Sure. I think, first of all, I, you know, since this topic is about leaders, I mean, among all the famous women leaders, I just like to start there. Actually, one of my favorite is Margaret Thatcher. And uh, I know, I remember a very nice quote from her, and it goes something like this. It kind of reflects it. It says, being a leader is like being a lady. If you have to remind people that you are, then you aren't. You know, so a leader doesn't have to wear it on the sleeves, you know, and I think it came from a, a famous uh, female leader, so to speak. Mm. But I think, first of all, about the point on leadership and where you started, Graham, I just want to make a comment on that first, you know, following what Kevin and Jin Xiong said. I think, first of all, to me, I want to bring a slightly different angle. I think, first of all, it's about diversity and inclusion. I think having more females uh, in, as leaders is just one dimension. It's really broader than that. I think diversity is about age. It's about gender. It's also about diversity in thoughts and beliefs. And as well as even sexual orientation, right? LGBTI, right, comes to the table. We believe at HP, where I work, that having a diverse workforce really makes the company stronger and have, we, all, we all are better for it and we have a better business outcome. And I think many research have shown that companies which are diverse, including gender, definitely outperforms others. And, and therefore, I think that's really important, right? Uh, and of course, having the female diversity is really important as well. You know, and we have many great leaders in my company as well, including you know, some of our CEOs in the past. But anyway, shifting gears, HP, we've, we've been, first of all, here in Singapore, we've been here more than 50 years. We just celebrated our 50th year anniversary uh, last year. And we're going, you know, this end. And, um, you know, we have more than, close to 5,000 people here in Singapore and the entire ecosystem. We have manufacturing, R&D, and then across the region, you know, our workforce goes up to 20, more than 20,000, right, across all the countries. So for me, leaders are not just the title holders. They actually exist across the companies. And I think leaders doesn't mean if you are, you know, holding a senior title, people refer to that. I think leaders are really about you know, exist throughout the organization. And that's what we should be talking about. You know, how do we then groom this leadership and then take this topic of sustainable leadership forward? Yeah, it's great. I love it because this is a real challenge, isn't it? People come to the table thinking leadership is a job title, but you're going to explode that myth, hopefully. Coming up, talk about some of the insights, how you make that work. What roles do leaders play in that culture as well. So we're going to talk about that. So today really is about identifying mindsets and practices. Um, interestingly, some of the comments coming in here as well, the back channel, let me read them out in response to your thoughts and your opinions as well. Candice So agrees with you, TC. Margaret Thatcher is a great leader in the past decade. So you've got some supporters out there. So well picked for that study, that story as well. And isn't it how you know, important it is, is that the stories of leaders really embodies those sort of characteristics and expectations and behaviors as well. And we're going to talk about that in a minute as well. So we've got a whole bunch of leaders that we've talked about. We've covered some of them already here. Um, coming up, 
Um, we talked about I mean, three great examples of female leaders as well. Lots of examples of leaders out there. Different walks of life, different backgrounds, sport, politics, business, you name it. Lots of different inputs, different styles of leadership. There is no one specific style of leadership. So we're going to have a look at the actual qualities of what makes a great leader. Interestingly, there was a McKinsey article about the mindsets and practices of CEOs, but I think we should really define this of like leaders aren't necessarily CEOs and CEOs, interestingly, aren't necessarily always leaders, right? What are the mindsets and practices of leaders? Sometimes it's the small things, the small touches that they engage in on a daily basis. I'm interested to know what leaders actually do. What do they do that others don't? Kevin, you've researched leadership, obviously a part of the Dash Plus framework. When you study leaders, when you interact and work and train leaders, what do you see in them? Is it a characteristic? Is it a behavioral trait, a mindset? So what do leaders do that others don't? We can go back a slide. We just jump forward a little bit here. So many things, so many, so many things. But if I were to pick one uh, out of the at the top of my head, and uh, I like to go at preparation. Uh, and I think, I think, I think the, the great thing about leaders, regardless of whether they're officially leaders or not, uh, the individual leader takes responsibility, and that's part of the responsibility is uh, preparation. Meaning that this is the reason why leaders can handle uh, uncertainty and and stuff. A new situations that they've they've never seen before. They're prepared. They're prepared for it. And and preparation comes from hard work. Comes from mastery of the craft that you're working in. So I think I think leadership is both a skill. It's definitely learnable in the sense that you you master the craft in which you're leading the the industry, the the context. Um, there is some personality, but as you showed in that that the great the pictures just now that the uh, collage of pictures. There's so many different types of personalities over there. Mm. And, and that's what I think leaders do. They, they, they recognize what their personal strengths and weaknesses are, play to their strengths. So you have to, to figure out how to play to your strengths and manage your weaknesses. Uh, and it comes to preparation too, right? That's what I think the leaders do differently. This, this is a lot of hard work. Yeah. The preparation part, does that mean being able to step out of the situation, step back a little bit, almost look, take a breath, and not every, react. I'll be. Uh, I'll give you a non-answer. Preparation in every single sense of the word, <laughs> and, and you can find it. And that's my point. Um, there's so many different ways to be successful as a, as a leader, mm. and if you look at uh, how they each and every one of them prepared, uh, there's just so many different ways, and that's what. I'm... Well, let's find out how it works in a large organization like HP. And I'll hand this over to TC and preface it. There's a couple of comments coming in here. A great one from Eunice Yap about servant leadership. That's an interesting concept that's really been developed in recent times, isn't it? Servant leadership, humility, openness. In HP, how does it work? First of all, you know, let's bring this slide up here. Is leadership everyone's business? Is leadership a job title? How do you think about leadership inside HP? How does it work? Is there a structure? Are there programs? Do you have leadership programs? Do you have identified leaders? Is it a job title? How does it work? Give us the 101 TC on how it works inside HP. All right. So I think the answer to all the questions is for a company, the size and scale of HP is pretty much yes to your, your list. I mean, we have a structured way that we identify, train and groom our leaders, right? I mean, you know, it's at different levels and there's a sy systemic way. 
But having said all that, I guess my comment in this webinar would be that, look, we, we, there was a pre-COVID world where we had looked at things and we were used to it. But then, of course, now with the COVID situation happening and, you know, there is, in a way, right, we all say that unprecedented new normal, it, it's everything is very different now. And I think no past experiences or learnings really can help us to be a guide of what will be successful in the future. I think there's no good reference point, so to speak. So we have all these systems in place, but I think now the thinking is as we identify and train and work with the new, with our leaders, right, myself included, learning along the way. I think there are these traits that we're looking for. Maybe we'll just keep it broad at that level. I think some of it was discussed before. I think we're looking for things like empathy. How do you build trust? We're looking at things like agility, um, you know, being able to pivot fast. And then this other, this other point I'm going to make here, I think is quite important, right? I think for lack of a better word, I call it ability to have multi-dimension thinking, right? Because I think we begin to recognize that in this really difficult pandemic, there is the reality and importance of um, the inter interdependencies across global ecosystems. And I think now as leaders, you really need to be able to think more broadly, not, with, not just about your own organization, but also the, the full set of stakeholders in the ecosystem. And, and therefore, some of those traits are like big picture assessment, collective problem solving, uh, being able to pivot, you know, shift resources to where the heat of the market is very quickly. I think, I think those are some of those new things that we are experimenting now and learning, you know, how to inculcate and make our, our, the awareness there among our developed our leaders through the ranks. Hmm. And therefore, one of the things is um, you have to be also create the climate where our leaders can experiment and fail. Because, you know, the previous models that worked for us are not working now. And we have to try new things, you know. Uh, there are supply challenges in my business. Factories shut down COVID. Then there are also demand challenges, the scale that we've never seen before. And we're going to have to try new things, you know, work with different alliances, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I think those are some of those things that we're thinking about so in a big company setting, if I can share. Yeah, if you were to go back, let's say, time travel, 30 years back to the year minus 30, whatever that is, my math isn't great, but you can work it out, is that let's say we went back 30 years and there was an archetypal leader of a large IT company compared to today, how are they different in what way? And maybe not necessarily so much their personality, but how they behave within the organization. Are the expectations different as well about leaders back then and leaders today? I think so, Graham. And uh, I'm sure Jin Xiong and Kevin can share a lot more here as well. But I believe that today, as we're discussing over and over again, I think the pandemic is, you know, very challenging. And I think the one difference is the interdependencies. You know? There are some fundamentals which stay the same, Graham. You know, humility, you know, uh, uh, having that, creating trust, etc. All those are there. But it's just this part, that global mindset, you know, that multidimensional thinking, I think has shifted to very deg big degrees, you know. So I think those things have changed. Mm. And I think today's leader need to be more versed in dealing with a, a much more complex ecosystem where there are many different stakeholders that you need to put together and you need to stitch the seams you know, between 
uh, these different ecosystems, right? But of course, all that must be done, I think, similar foundation that we had before, right? Which is, you know, building on that trust, you hmm. know, that all, all those other things that we spoke about, ability uh, to connect, you know, empathy. I think those things back then and now, but now on the empathy topic, I, I feel, right, the, I, I saw also many people talking about it and on the chat to being authentic. You know, it's true. Jin Xiong mentioned it. I think that's really true. Because I think today, you see, for me, my experience is that um, co co uh, communicating authentically is so important in this COVID situation. But in Asia, we have a problem. I think that there are some cultures in Asia where it is a very hierarchical culture where Asians don't want to show their weakness. And, and I think there are some parts of Asia where, generally speaking, it's not so natural to be authentic. And it's an acknowledge that I have a weakness, etc. And then these are some things that I have to deal with in a multinational when I work across different companies and culture. So I think here, you know, I think we are also learning, you know, when we work across countries, you know, how to get some of our people or managers in other countries to also learn and adjust their style. Because I think it calls for that in today's situation. Mm. This word authenticity is coming up a lot as well as trust. I'm going to read out some of the comments. Authenticity is a key trait in a leader. It nurtures trust in all circumstances. That's from Maria. We also have the leader is a steward of trust from Charles T. Chin Xiong, we talked about empathy. Authenticity, is this another dimension of leadership? I mean, a lot of people talk about authenticity. Uh, TC has mentioned also the idea of vulnerability, which is interesting as maybe the first time I've heard that in a webinar talking about making mistakes openly and owning them perhaps. Yeah. What is authenticity and how do you define that so people can understand what the North Star should be for leadership today? Yeah, I think it's a very uh, great conversation there, Graham. I think the, you know, another word I would use to describe is, you know, the you know, being willing to be vulnerable. The fact that you could be wrong the fact that your people may know something that you don't, they may have the answer, not you. And, you know, part of the challenge is, you know, many leaders, as uh, Tian Chong alluded to, in Asian context, sees being wrong as being weak. Mm. Now, what happens when you come to a new scenario in COVID-19? Well, all the worldview... <laughs> The traditional worldview is broken up. It doesn't reflect reality now. Look at supply chain. It's no longer the same. New supply routes, uh, supply chain routes, links are all reconfigured. And then what happens? You cannot still hold on to what we call the same mental model. And, and what, what, uh, what I realized is that leaders who can understand that they don't have the answers, but be really sensitive to the system around them that is causing the events to emerge, the patterns to emerge. And being sensitive to that requires a certain level of sensitivity. And it comes back to the leader himself. Does this person have self-mastery, personal mastery, the ability to suspend your own judgment, the ability to question your own beliefs, your assumptions, what you hold to be true because it has helped you to be successful and whether you are prepared to question them. And I think that's one of the biggest threats to leaders, that their belief system 
may no longer be true. And we call that discipline, the ability to question that and, and, and hold that tension in, in the head, personal mastery. I'm not identified to my title. I'm not identified to my job. I, I'm not even identified to my past success because I know the future is going to be very different. In fact, the more I know, the humbler I get. I realize, wow, complexity is a big thing. And so, therefore, if you had seen what you know, the World Economic Forum has had said in 2019 last year, uh, what's emerging is systems leadership. Leaders who are in service of a purpose, and they look at the system, and they look at how they can influence a system that can help them accomplish that purpose. Now, the system you can use the word ecosystem, an ecosystem of partners as what uh, Tianchong's business is in. They've got that system, if it's, if it's not delivering, if it's not generating the right kind of results, you need many leaders to come together. Hmm. And I see that as more essential now because uh, we thought transportation is separate from banking is separate from healthcare, is separate from education. They are not. They are all interdependent, for example. But if you kind of bring it down to a microcosm within an organization, finance is, finance is not independent of HR. It is not independent of operations. It's not independent. They are interconnected. And so what, what gets done somewhere emerges as events and consequences elsewhere. So this requires a certain level of personal mastery and the ability to uh, question what we call mental models. Is, is our understanding, is my worldview of reality actually accurate anymore? And there's a question there, you know, uh, I, think, I think in the poll it talks about employee engagement. Is our worldview of what actually engages an employee still valid? Or has it shifted? And we are still holding on to the old map. And, that, and as uh, what Tian Chong said, the terrain has shifted. So that quality in a leader, that humility, that ability, the capacity, so to speak, to be vulnerable, to be prepared that I can be wrong, so I'm going to consult with my people. And together as a team, they learn together of what's emerging as what is truly a, a new reality that they can then take and move forward for their organization. I agree, Jin Song. I think, I think the point is admitting to uncertainty in today's climate does not equate to, you know, abdication of accountability. It's exactly what you say. I fully agree. Do you find I yourself, said, I mean, I'll put it to you. Do you find yourself saying, I don't know to your yes. traditional, you know, subordinates? Do you say, yes. it? I mean, it, how, how does yes. that, how naturally does that come? I'm sure, in, like you say, because of your Asian <laughs> education, you may have been scolded for that. No, actually, Okay, I, I'll just say, I think, although we are Asians, right, at least in my case, you know, since I work in a multinational, mm. you know, I think I've, we've got the exposure of working with different countries, including our headquarters in the US over the years, etc. So I'll say that, you know, it's still unnatural, right? Because at the start, you know, it's always um, about different difference of opinion. And then, you know, we all want to look good. But I think increasingly, right, because of the complexity of what's happening, 
there are many things that you can't foresee. You know, I mean, the, look at the lockdowns. We, we could never predict. The, the scenario planning we have now is multiple waves of lockdown, right? It's not about a second or third wave, right? And then there could be cities, countries, or at the national level. Look at Australia, Victoria, mm. Melbourne, but not. So then all the, the different combination of things we need to do to support the business, it's very complex, right? And therefore, I think increasingly, we are reaching an environment where we need help. We are talking to ecosystems of partners mm. and we don't know how to solve this. What do you think? And I think because of that, we are better off, you know, finding new paths forward. Yeah, asking for help. That's new for leaders, right? But that's a real sign of strength, it seems now, that if you yeah. ask for help, traditionally that was a sign of weakness, right? Yes. Oh, okay, Jinxiang. Yes, and I was going to just add on that, therefore, why I've always said that uh, a leader has got to communicate. And in fact, you know, communication is the only leadership currency. It's the only means you can inform, uh, convey meaning, influence, persuade. And so leaders, are, many of them are good communicators and they engage the, uh, their people at, at different levels. Uh, as I said, you know, whether it's uh, head, heart or at the gut level. Uh, Kevin, you want to add on to that? Yeah, I was going to say that uh, I think I think leaders in, in every every generation has always known how to say I don't know and have always known how to ask for help. What has so in that sense, if you go back to the earlier questions about whether leadership has changed in thirty years, I don't think so. I think the the notion of asking for help, having humility, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, all this have always been in place. But what has changed, I think, you know, evolved either over time or across the individual styles is how they ask for help. Is how they say I don't know. Uh, the way I can share you how I, if, if my team is leaning, uh, listening, they'll, they'll laugh at this, right? Because when I, when I don't know, I was saying, yeah, I don't know. Do you have the answer? They say, yeah, I have the answer. Then I say, great, you go do it. And they'll be like, oh, <laughs> did I just uh, create more work for myself? Uh, but that's the point, right? We, and leaders also know that it's not about one person getting a job done. It's, it's a collective effort. It's teamwork. And, and there's no way. That's why we have organizations. The reason why we have organizations in the first place, because the work that we're trying to do cannot be done by one person. Great response. Uh, I've got a question for you as well, TC, coming up. I'm conscious of the time. We've got a lot of questions coming. So we'll do our best to squash all these into the short time that we have. What are we going to do with the questions as well? I've got a question about diversity coming up, which is kind of interesting, diversity and leadership. Um, maybe we can field that one in a minute. What are we going to do? Because this is a special. We are going to do something different today, which is never a wise thing to do live, but... That's the fun of a live event. Anything can happen in the next 15 minutes. What we're going to do is this, is because this is a special, SOM decided that they're going to do something special. And that was that we're going to give you, the audience, a chance to ask these questions live. So how about that, folks? You can join the panel and ask your questions. So I've got the question coming there up. There you go, yes. uncertainty. Exactly. <laughs> Let's see who the leaders are by putting their hands up. This is how you can actually ask a question live. If you put your question in the chat box, just put your hand up like that. There's a hand up button. There you go. So somebody's raised their hand. And what you do is you can write in there your question. And what we'll do is we'll get the engineer to set you up and ask the question live. So the first one I'm going to hand over to Pratana Sibal, a question about diversity and leadership. Asked on somebody else's behalf, I see, um, which is Hello. fine. Hello there, Pratana. Thanks for Hi, joining Abraham. us. Thanks for having me. Great to see you're set up already. So what's your question to the panel? 
So I have a question on behalf of Oliver Osborne. He is the founder and director of Osborne Holdings. So this question is cultural differences often ma- manifest themselves in differences in communication styles. With effective leadership relying heavily on great communication, how do we best go about identifying and developing leaders who are coming from different backgrounds? Hmm. How do you identify and develop leaders? Any quick takeaways there? What is it? A system, a program, culture? Where does it start? Who wants to have a go at this first? I'm going to I'm going to try and do, uh, answer this, and maybe I think the next uh, person, uh, you know, either Kevin or Tian Chong. Yeah. But I will say that you know, diversity is is a strength, right? And, and I think if you're working in a multinational, multicultural environment, one of the things that I've felt in my past experience is that a strong corporate identity of the organization is important. A strong set of core values uh, that the organization holds as clearly dear and very important to them that guides the behavior. Now, what then that does is that regardless of what the cultural differences are, regardless of their background, there's a certain converging point for them to go with. So I would say that as leaders in highly diverse organizations is to establish that corporate identity, the core values, which actually in a way ultimately drives the culture. And the culture within the organization is what people with different backgrounds come in. It's the first thing they'll notice. And if it's the right culture because it's aligned to the core values in in the right corporate identity, then these people start to adapt and sign on or buy into those uh, corporate mm. culture. Mm. I don't know. Uh, Tian Chong, you have something to yeah. add? I mean, just to build on what Chin Xiong said, you know, at HP, we have a strong corporate culture, right? Our company was founded in 1939 by Bill and Dave, uh, Bill Hewlett and Dave Packard. And I think the HP way was very famous in the Silicon Valley. Over the years, as the company evolved and split, there were different M&A activities. I see the HP way as the roots of a tree. And what Jin Xiong said is very true because I think the roots are the same, but the top of the tree, the leaves, I think we evolve with the seasons, you know, and while the leaves may change, but the roots stay the same. And I think there, different country have got slight different nuances, right, that we look for, that is a global brand with a local soul, right, that we need to do it right in that country, whether it's Japan, Korea is different than India, but still the values are the same. And I think that the leaders that we look for and groom have to hold the same values. I think what Jin Xiong said is very true. Right. And of course, there are those leadership traits that we discussed earlier and diversity inclusion is so important for us, right? I, you know, I think it's well summarized already. Okay, I have another great question. Great answer. Thank you very much, folks. I've got another question. Obviously, time is pressing. So let's try and get all your questions in here. Field this one to the panel here as well. Uh, maybe we can get the we can get this one handed over so they can actually ask this question live. Gurunath, Gurunath Harry asks the panel, this is a question about uncertainty once again and potential performance here as well. Maybe it's related to valuation and measurement of leadership as well. Um, are we going to get Gurunath live on air so we can try that? Let's give it a try. Over There we go. How about that? Fantastic. Hello. Hi there. Thanks for joining us, Gurunath. Good to see the panel today. Yeah, thanks for volunteering as well. What's your question to the panel? 
<laughs> and I'm sitting in the Oval Office. Yeah. That's <laughs> a real leader there. There you go. So, yeah, my question is, uh, there is a difference between performance and potential. And uh, I think for people who know the difference, uh, in times of uncertainty, you know, I've been, like TC said, been in the corporate sector for an, in an MNC for a while. And uh, most of us are quite enticed by looking at an employee's performance versus potential. So I'm wondering, you know, what thoughts would you be able to share and what changes might need to be made in any organization, be it educational, be it MNCs, be it SMEs, on how to make leaders be able to tap on people's potential rather than just on the performance? Yeah. Great question. Okay. Can I think? Can I start first? Then please. I think. There you go. Anyway, nice <laughs> to see you uh, joining the uh, webinar. Thank um, you. <laughs> okay, so let me uh, attempt at that, right? I think for me, right? I think it's important because I think the the leadership traits we're looking for are the ones who can challenge the, view, the prevailing view without provoking uh, cynicism, you know, operating, you know, with deep humility and all that. Now the challenge is. Those are all very strategic things that we look for in a leader. But most companies really starts recognizing short-term performance, right? And I think the problem is that a lot of people get promoted because they do well with the short-term results, right? And, um, and, and I think it's the challenge of the whole scorecard. And like you say, we're not paying attention. Individuals who make it to the top of the hierarchy, right? They, they, they basically demonstrate superior uh, performance in the short term. Right, and the ability to solve some of the bigger, more difficult topics, more strategic are overlooked. So I feel, your, to your point, right, while, while performance is important, I think we're now paying more attention. It's not just about performance. There are all these other qualities that we look for. And we have to, you know, ability to work on big and small picture at the same time is so important, right, and other things like that. I'm going to just kind of jump in here and, and add on to what uh, Tian Chong is saying. I'm going to kind of uh, introduce another term here that maybe provoke, can provoke some thinking. There's a dimension called time in leadership. So, so far when we talk about leadership, we seem to say, okay, let's apply leadership in a moment of, in the, in the present moment crisis. But there's leadership over time, one year, two years, three years. And one of the things that most organizations uh, don't explicitly say so, but you know, per, you know, perhaps organizations like HP will practice. It's the ability to understand this thing called time span capability. Time span capability is the length of time a leader can work effectively into the future without being directed. So you realize that as the longer into the future that you have to be accountable for, the greater the variables at play, the greater the level of uncertainty. So to the question of the audience just now who came and asked the question, potential is whether you can identify someone who has the ability of, let's say, a three-year time span. That means this person can effectively work into the future to achieve goals and objectives three years into the future. Now, how do you measure that? That's either actual capability or potential. But it's something I think most organizations don't explicitly recognize. It. But I think it is crucial that in future, 
how we develop talent is we need to be able to assess a person's time span capability. So let's just take, for example, if you're a bank cash bank teller, your time span is only one day. You just need to worry about one day's work. And tomorrow you come and you repeat. If you're someone like Tian Chong, he needs to figure out where he's going to go be in five years' time. And the amount of complexity when leaders go through in transformation, that's the word that often, where the transformation takes three to five years, you need to have leaders with those capabilities come together. But that does not negate all the other qualities, the attributes of being empathetic, of being trustworthy, all right, of being vulnerable, open, etc. But that time span capability is what ends up as one of the important factor that goes into leadership and talent development. Great insights. There's a lot of research to back that up as well. I love that you brought that up about timeframes as well, thinking on long-term timelines. Even if we think, for example, going back to the earlier examples of leaders, somebody like Jeff Bezos was thinking very long-term about the problem that he was solving, and even the way he talks about it in his language as well. Gentlemen, thank you for your insights. Hey, I know we're nearly there, but we've got some bonus gifts coming up. How about that? So now that you have all provided your insights and your feedback and your questions, there's obviously too much to pack into one hour. So obviously you've got the details on the podcast, which you can go and follow if you've missed or want to follow up on anything that is talked about today. And this will be published as a podcast as well in the Future of Work series. You can also get the PDF. So if you want any of the points raised today and some of the research, we're going to show you how you can get the PDF. We've got a surprise gift coming up for those that stick around for the next couple of minutes. And not just a surprise gift, but also a bonus gift on top of a surprise gift. How about that? as if a surprise gift wasn't enough. There's a bonus on top of that. And it is actually quite a good bonus as well. So stick around. I'm going to show you how you can get this. Coming up, here are a few action points, three action points. Number one, connect with the panel. This is how you do that. What you do is you go to LinkedIn. You say, hey, I love the webinar. Well, in words, of those effect. And these are the panelists today. So take a screenshot of this with all their names. Reach out to them. I'm sure you have questions that you would like to continue. Get all their details there. If you don't have time to take a screenshot, get the PDF. This is how you get the PDF. Number two, all you do is you say to Alice, and here's her details, give me the PDF, Alice. She's happy to do that. She's nice. I oh, know. Sorry, I, I use that joke every week, and it doesn't get any better. But forgive me, Alice. Sorry. So I'm sure that's not how you pronounce your name, anyway. So Alice, email Alice at SIM. Give me the PDF. She'd be happy to share a PDF with you, plus any details of any of the subjects that are covered today, because SIM covers them all. Surprise gift. If you've joined us for six episodes, we know who you are. But in case we do forget who you are, then just say six in the chat box and SIM will finish the uh, webinar with you and follow up with you and give you a surprise gift. And we don't know what it is. Maybe Chin Song, you know what the surprise gift is, or is it a surprise to you? As There you go. They've kept Chin Song in the dark as well. That's a great leader. He says he doesn't know. There's an example <laughs> in practice. Well done. It's a surprise gift is there you go that they're all claiming the surprise gifts as well now it's obviously popular so we'll find out what that is it might be edible we don't know we don't think it's a cash prize we'll find out 
you can let us know. You follow up with the panelist as well, what the surprise gift as well. But for everybody, there's a bonus gift for sticking around to the end. Let's talk about the bonus gift. And I believe this is worth between 80 and 400 sing dollars, this bonus gift. It's a free ticket. How about this, guys? We have free tickets being given away by our partners at the Asia Professional Speakers Convention 2020. Write the future. WTF, that's what they put. That's not ours. That's there. So in partnership <laughs> with SIM, the leader obviously made a, a very good decision about that. What you do to get your tickets, I think they're giving away a limited amount, obviously, because they can't give away all of these because they're expensive, 80 to $400. It may be the $80 ones, but don't be disappointed because it's going to be a great event. What you do is you take your phone, scan that QR code, and I think you can find out how you can get uh, a free ticket to that event. That's going to be great. And before you go, I've saved the best to last. And the best to last is obviously Dr. Kevin's Roundup. Dr. Kevin, you always provide great tips for the audience. Your three leadership tips. What are the three takeaways from today? We've learned so much about leadership. There's been a lot to pack into the hour. How would you distill it down for us as our guide on this subject? Well, remember, as a leader, the first and foremost uh, thing is you're responsible. You're responsible for a lot of people. You're responsible for organizations. You're responsible for society. Now, to achieve that responsibility, you need to be authentic, be yourself, understand what your values are, what you stand for, be consistent with those values. And last but not least, to make all this, pull everything together, it's about a system. Think about the system, think about society, think about the organization, think about everybody else. Everyone's connected. And that's it. If all else fails, just download this down, uh, Spotify podcast and listen to it again and again and again. And you'll be fine. <laughs> And say, don't be afraid to say, I don't know. No. That is the sign of a quality leader. I think that's the sign of strength in the 2020s. And my panel as well have been fantastic at walking us through the world of leadership and some great examples as well. Thank you for being very authentic yourself as well, gentlemen. I really appreciate that, your honesty. And I think the guests have been great in their personal stories and their insights as well. And the audience as well have enjoyed it. Lots of thanks coming in here as well. So I really appreciate the input and really appreciate this whole six-part series. Connect with the panelists. That's the next step. Get the PDF, surprise gift, bonus gift, you know. And we'll see you back some other time on the ongoing journey into the world of Dash Plus. Thank you very much, folks. You've been fantastic. We're signing out. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Thank you. You have been listening to The Future of Work with me, Graham Brown. If you like what you heard, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Don't forget to leave a review and a rating on your favorite episode. We'll be back with a brand new episode in two weeks.